This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 801 with Ange Matthews. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 801. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Angela E. Masters is an investor, investment coach, and the founder of The Happy Investor Method, where her goal is to make investing accessible and fun for all. As an experienced investor and investment trainer, she has conducted workshops, seminars, and one-on-one coaching with thousands of individuals and businesses from all walks of life. A first-generation investor, she was making $40,000 a year and had six figures in debt when she taught herself how to generate multiple six figures passively in the stock market and has since helped others make thousands of dollars doing the same. Her investments have allowed her to travel all over the world, 45 countries and counting, take care of her parents, pay for her wedding, and purchase her first home, all while planting the seeds for her trust fund babies. (laughs) So I loved this conversation. I am intimidated by money and investing, I will admit it. And we've had people come on the show and talk about money before, and I'm always like ears wide open, trying to think about how I can make money less daunting in my own life. And Ange did such a great job of breaking this down around how you can make your money make more money for you. And I loved how she made it simple, clear, accessible, and really, really approachable. This doesn't sound scary to me to invest in the stock market anymore because Ange 
taught us, teaches us in this episode, how to do it just a little bit at a time to get your feet wet. So you're not like going in and investing 10 grand and then seeing what happens. You're doing it in a really strategic way with some simple steps and strategies and then watching what happens and then learning and growing from there. And of course, she has programs that she talks about as well, where she can really, really guide you through this. But even just listening to this interview, you will be able to take some of her steps and immediately put them into action. If you're someone who has been wanting to practice, try out investments in different ways to see how you can make your money make money for you. She also makes this accessible because you won't don't have to be someone who's has an extra 10 grand laying around to get started. It's literally like, could you throw in 50 bucks and see what happens? Could you throw in 20 bucks and see what happens? And just see kind of what the patterns are and how you can start in small ways to make your money work for you in different ways. So listen in to hear Ange share how she self-funded her eight-month maternity leave, the power of making your money make more money for you, the mistakes she made early on in investing and how you can avoid those same mistakes, specific steps to start investing in low stakes way in order to grow your learning curve and confidence around investing, why she works as a passive investor and how she differs from a day trader, how to choose which companies to invest in. And this was... (laughs) totally my like huge area of interest because of course I'm like so do you just like go and invest in like Apple and Amazon from the get-go the answer is no so she teaches you how to find companies in really creative ways where you can have way more comfort where you're not having to opt into a stock that's like you know $500 a share then we talk about what apps are the best for buying stocks which this was super eye-opening to me too because that again would be like very daunting to just open an app and start you know buying some stocks and then lastly we dig into the significance around building generational wealth and Ange talks about the deep significance around this for herself and for her children this episode was full of gems and full of learning for me especially <laughs> I know you're going to learn something I hope that you go reach out to Ange after this to get in touch with her resources and connect with her and participate in any of her programs that might be a good fit for you because I love, love, love what she's doing. I think it's incredibly powerful. And again, she makes it really approachable in a way that I haven't seen before. So with all that said, please join me in welcoming Ange Matthews to the Shameless Mom Academy. Ange, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah. I already had to give my like behind the scenes sneak peek that I'm very personally excited for this conversation. And I might have a lot of really basic questions because this is unfamiliar territory to me, but I'm very curious. (laughs) It's totally fine. Investing money and all things of that nature. You'd be amazed how many folks secretly have the same fears and doubts deep down inside. So I'm pretty sure whoever's listening is rooting for you to ask all the things. Perfect. That's what I said. I'm like, yes, I'm sure if I have this question, other people are like, please ask the like... (laughs) the questions that are embarrassing to ask that maybe make me look foolish and ignorant. So I'll do my best to ask all those questions. Before we dig into that, can you tell us a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now? So I have an investment education company by day and by night. I am pretty much the mom of a two-year-old and a five-year-old, Leah and Levi. And Levi, I'm pretty much the punching bag for Levi. So Levi is my two-year-old son and he's one of those kids where he loves hard, but he's also one of those squirmy kids who doesn't like to be held for too long. And I love snuggles. So this is kind of what my day <laughs> I'm chasing Levi, trying to get my snuggles in and he's running away from me and pushing me. And that's my life. I am that person where you can't tell me no. And if you tell me no, it just 
puts fuel on my fire to figure out a way. And that's it. If you can catch me on a normal day, I'm pretty much either watching Rick and Morty, Bob's Burgers, or fighting with Levi over my Rick and Morty blanket. (laughs) My 10-year-old son is not allowed to watch Rick and Morty, but he aspires to watch Rick and Morty someday. And he wants us to get a dog and name it Rick because he wants his peers to think he watches Rick and Morty. So yes, so funny. I love it. I also relate to the need for the snuggles, even when the other party doesn't want them. Cause my son, he was a good snuggler at age two, but now at age 10, he's rather horrified if I touch him in any way. And I run this border between like, I should ask for consent before I grab him and hug him. And then like, but I just want to hug him so bad. And he's like, oh my God, mom, get off of me. <laughs> I'm the type of mom where I'm like, no consent needed. Now. <laughs> I like, birthed you. <laughs> yes. This is just the tax you have to pay for living in my house. Uh, you just yes. get unlimited hugs. <laughs> yes. I know. Oh, it's so funny. My son will do like a side hug before he leaves when I'm walking to school in the morning and we get like on the same block as the school and I'll go to give him a hug. And he does this like awkward, like he kind of turns his backpack into me. So like, I can't fully hug him. So it's like this little side, hug. but he'll still give me that. And I'm like, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> but it's, it's, we're more distance between us every year. It's very sad. <laughs> is this what I have to look forward to? <laughs> this is what you, ha- I know. So take those two years, like just take the punches. <laughs> Be grateful. Be grateful for the punches. So I want to talk about the work that you do. Can you talk about what led you into this work. I think when it comes to women in investing, it's not a common path for women to walk down. It's not, I don't think that we are taught um, or socialized in a way that makes it super inviting for us to step into money matters. So can you talk about the work that, what led you into this work and then also why this is so important for women? So for me, I fell into the work because there was no other option for me besides figuring out how to get rich on my own. I grew up with pretty humble beginnings. And also, I didn't really make the best decisions when I was 20 and in my early 30s in regards to making money make money for me. So I had my first job out of college and I started racking up student debt and credit card debt because I wanted to travel the world and do all the things. And I eventually had six figures in debt when I was in my early twenties and I was really working at a job where I was overworked, really stressed and in New York city. And so it just didn't really add up to, Hey, is there ever going to be a day when this is not my story? And I remember having anxiety attacks in the stairwell. I remember thinking about my parents who had gotten laid off and really feeling as if there was no way out. And I literally Googled, how do you become rich? Because I didn't have really wealthy people around me, or at least the wealthy people I had around me, they didn't seem as if they would realistically tell me how they got there. So I was at my desk at work and I was just Googling around and it took me a couple of hours. And I know this is probably not the best thing to admit, you know, to an employer, (laughs) but I had when you're pretending to be working on a a project. Oh, I was. And so this was the open concept, you know, I keep a desk and I definitely dimmed the screen a little bit and I was like typing away. I think I maybe even had a fake phone call every now and then just to act <laughs> as if I was doing something, but I had also asked for a raise and I was working 60, 65 hours a week. So I thought it was pretty fair to take a break. And what I realized was if I was going to be self-made, which is where I was coming from, because I didn't really have a big inheritance. No one was giving me a handout. They said, the only way you're going to do it is to invest your money and maybe start a business 
or and if you really are committed to doing this, you should probably do both because it sounds like you have catch up. Of course, Google didn't say all of this in that way, but that was the gist of like the 10th page. And so I did both and I started investing and it was with 50 bucks. Honestly, I didn't have much, but I thought to myself, instead of, you know, doing the fancy cocktail parties and happy hours, I can at least just say no once a week because I was doing it a lot in New York City and just invest in a stock here or there. And that's how I started. Initially, I didn't think about that I would need it one day to be a mom or to purchase real estate. I didn't think of that I would need it to take care of my parents. I was just doing it for my sanity to know that one day there was a chance that I wouldn't be in the same position I was in. Mm. I want to point out the simplicity slash scrappiness of I have a problem and I'm just going to go search for an answer via a Google search and trust that like I can learn a few things and implement things on my own in order to figure things out, learn, grow and prosper and make big things happen for myself. I think it's, we're quick to determine incorrectly that like, oh, that's not for me, or I wouldn't be able to do that, or I can't figure it out, or I would need to already have a degree in this certain thing. And for you to have this openness to like, hmm, maybe I could figure this out. Hmm. I wonder what it says about this. Okay. Like, let's try that. I think is says a lot about your integrity, your character, and also like tenacity and grit. That's really, really important. And I would love to invite people listening to lean into that as well. I think that sometimes we're quick to dismiss ourselves and it keeps us playing small. And you were able to start small, it sounds like, like with 50 bucks here and there, but by embracing that, like, if anyone else can do this, I can do it too. Absolutely. And I think as a mom and even prior to having kids, I remember I took a trip to India, right? Uh, To get over a breakup. And I remember sitting there with the yogi and the yogi sitting there and he says, one of the things that we fall out of doing as an adult, that is really a travesty is that we forget to be in wonder. And when we're children, we're so good at that. We're so good at looking at things and saying, I wonder what if this could happen? And I wonder what it's like to have maybe be a yes and a no, not just a no. And what if we were to hold things with this maybe yes and maybe no? And I think after hearing that, I definitely approach things in that way. And so maybe it worked and maybe it wouldn't, but I really don't know until I try. And so that's really why I approach this stuff with a childlike curiosity, because this is something that I see even more with the kids that I have. They don't care. You know, my daughter, Leah, she, I could tell her no, five minutes later, she's going to ask me again. So I know you said no five minutes later, but you know, I've changed, you've changed, the weather's changed. (laughs) Answers changed, right? (laughs) Right, right. And kids are like this. And why can't we be this way? You know, maybe we had a mistake in the past with our finances and we made a a horrible mistake that we think is horrible, but maybe and the reality of it, it really wasn't that bad. But for us, we internalized it as so. And since then, it has been in the background of all of our decisions. But If you were a kid, you would have just shook it off and kept it moving. But now that we're an adult, we just think of it as a reason why we shouldn't do something. And I find for a lot of us, women especially, when it comes to money, we think about our past money conversations, the things that didn't work, the things we tried, the things we wanted to do or where we thought we would be to continuously hold us back. Mm, Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, which you just touched on, but when it comes to money there and women, 
there, I think there's such a lack of self-trust around that. And I think it has to do with the way that women are socialized. Can you talk a little bit about why it is so important for women to cultivate trust around money and to really reframe mindset around money? Well, when you think about women, we're the ones who care more. I think we're just strung that way. We care more about our parents' tendency. We tend to, we tend to care more about the kids. We tend to care more about ourselves. And the way self-care, I'll just be frank, the way self-care and care is shaping out, it's costing more money, period, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? It's, you know, going to a therapist, seeking out a coach, doing all the things to make ourselves the best version of ourselves. It it costs more and we're willing to pay more, but at the same time, we're not willing to advocate to be paid more. Mm -hmm. And so therein we've got uh, inefficiency. There's an imbalance, and if that's the case, then that means we're actually paying more for the support that we're willing to do for ourselves. And that's why I think we need to start thinking about money in different ways. At the same time, we always have to defend our money decisions more than our male counterparts. And I'll just give you a really quick example. So right now I travel a lot for business. I have an education company. I'm a speaker. I host events. I do VIP days with my clients. And I find my husband who he isn't an entrepreneur. He has a really great W-2 job and he's an executive. He also travels. He tells me, Hey, I got to go to Asia for this. I got to go to New York for this. And she just says, okay. Now Ange goes to him and says, Hey, I got to go speak at ConvertKit for this conference, or I have a VIP day for Beth. And he's like, Oh, but do you have to do this? And then I have mm-hmm. to have this whole case of like, yes, I have to do this. I have to fly in on this day. And I have to leave this day. There's, I never say that to him. And then I had to, all of a sudden, Now I'm sitting on the couch on a Sunday when it should be my time to recalibrate. I am creating an Excel sheet with all the days that we have traveled with columns only to show him that he has 10 days over me. Mm. And why do I have to do this? Well, I have to do this to prove that, well, I am just as valuable as you are. And I have to, at the same time, show how much money I'm bringing to the table and that my travel days are actually worth more than his travel days. But if I were to not be comfortable to talk about money or to understand my value and my worth, well, then it would be a conversation of, well, you shouldn't travel, Ange. You should stay Mm -hmm. home with the kids. And so it's this ever-evolving conversation of, yes, I get to have a conversation with him about, well, why do I have to even talk about this as a woman and as a mother? But at least I have the wherewithal to talk about it and to advocate for myself. And for a lot of us women, because we're not comfortable with money, because we're not looking at our numbers and because we're not bringing value to the table of finances, well, we're getting sit down from a lot of opportunities to fully express ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. 
If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. So you self-funded an eight-month maternity leave. Can you talk about how you did that, what that looked like? So that looks like, again, remember when I first started this, you tell me no, and I'm going to figure it out. (laughs) There's a reason why I start with this. And did you take a maternity leave, Sarah? So as an entrepreneur, I took two and a half months, I believe, but I was still at the time I owned a fitness business. And so I had trainers running the facility for me and all the classes and clients working with all the clients, but I was still at home doing some things online. So I was never completely completely offline. So there was like two weeks where I was probably like really out of off email and everything. But then I was like checking in on things for sure after that. But within two and a half months, I was back like leading programs, which was absolutely horrifying. And I know many people are back in the office even sooner than that. But like teaching a boot camp class when you are nursing a two month old is such a freaking disaster. <laughs> like my body was so not my own. And I was like, Oh my God, I have to like put on spandex and teach boot camp right now. Like it was very weird. <laughs> I I can't imagine. <laughs> and if you had your way, how long would you have had? So this is a really interesting question because I could have taken longer, but I felt so disconnected from my like my worth and that's just something I've been working on is very caught up like my connection between my own worth and being and serving my people was too ingratiated at that point where I felt like I need to show up and like be the face of this business and I can't be away for too long. Otherwise the business will fail. So I could have taken longer, but I like, wouldn't give myself permission to do it. So I think, you know, in hindsight, I would have, it would have been great if I could have taken six months, like that would have. And I now know some people who locally work for companies that give six months. And I'm like, that sounds like a dream. (laughs) But, and, and to not have to have the responsibility of like paying the company's overhead and like all those kinds of things. I mean, that sounds like real dreamy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so I took my eight month maternity leave for my second. When I had my first child, it was exactly what you described. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, if I had to do it again, it's not going to be that. It's not going to be Angela. <laughs> on screen, teaching a webinar, worrying about, you know, my engorged breasts, lactating. Yes. Yes. And not knowing it unless I saw my reflection on camera. Right. And it's not going to be with figuring out what to do with my hair after 
having patches of it breaking. And it's not going to be from not having tons of sleep from sleep training. And it's not going to be all these things of me having a crisis of trying to figure out who the heck am I with this new baby. And so I planned for it. I said, I don't know how long I'm going to need. And what I want to do is I want to give my time the space to figure it out. I don't know how long it's going to be. And it ended up being eight months before I was like, okay, we're done here. But how I ended up doing that, I looked at our investments and I planned certain investments to hit over the course of a year. So I went in and I said, I know I'm going to have this much income coming out. And when you have an investment strategy, and so that's why I teach investment strategies, everything becomes really calculated. You think if I put in this much, there's a pretty good chance I can get this much out. Now, of course, there's no guarantees, but if you have a pretty good track record, you can start seeing patterns and you can say, there is about a 60 to 65% chance that this is what's going to happen because it's just happened this way for a long time. And so an example would be, I'll put in say a thousand, 2000, 3000 and know that, Hey, I just need this much money to last me for this long. And at the end of the day, that gave me the safety and the security to know that I can take this amount of time off and be okay. And the same thing happened with my company and knowing that and planning that, hey, setting my clients up on programs where my coaches can coach them, setting up our programs and my clients in ways where I delivered so much value before the maternity leave so that they had enough value where they were good for like five months or six months where I didn't have to check in. That's how I did it. And then what was even more beautiful about it is that we had dividends coming in and we had real estate. And so we actually planned for me to have that as an option. And what that did for me was that not only was I able to be with our son, not only did he come early, so that was another whole thing. Mm -hmm. He came early. So I didn't anticipate that my first child came late and I totally had a webinar 41 weeks pregnant just to bring in extra money. But what was crazy is that Levi came early and it was okay. It was okay. And, and it was okay to, to, to afford the sleep consultant so that I could have more sleep. It was amazing to have my mom fly in and stay for two months with us while I was on maternity leave. It was amazing to have my daughter go to daycare. And what was crazy about it was this was actually in the pandemic and after a while in this eight months, we were in a pandemic and it was amazing to be able to afford a nanny to come in and quarantine with us while we had mm. a newborn. And if I didn't prepare for that, I don't know what the heck we would have done. And so this is why I just say this story to let people know what is possible. Now, it could be maternity leave for someone, but what does it look like when it's, hey, a sabbatical? What does it look like when someone's getting laid off? What does it look like when someone wants to pursue a passion project? What does it look like when someone wants to take time to spend with loved ones? What does it look like when someone wants to go back to school? There's so many other things that we want to do in our life that we feel hijacked by our finances that we just put on pause when we can actually plan for it. Right. That makes so much sense. So when you decided to start investing, can you talk about what that looked like when you first got started? Because I think a lot of people listening are like, yes, I want the things that you just said. Like I want to be able to take the maternity leave or the sabbatical or the plan even, or not even take time off, but maybe just like have more, you know, hire the nanny or get the support in other ways, be able to invest in and pay for other things maybe just take a really nice vacation. <laughs> so can you talk about when you got started, what did that look like and how, how did you get started? What were some of those first steps that you took that others can take? 
there's a way I got started. And then there's a way that I teach. <laughs> that you teach people. Okay. Okay. So maybe clarify. I mean, we would all love to hear what you did and what did you learn from that? <laughs> this is the benefits of having a teacher and a coach, right? Because it's like, you can learn from others' mistakes. And I highly encourage people to do that <laughs> because mm-hmm. these are shortcuts. So it's like, if I can impart some wisdom to you, don't make yes, the mistakes yes. that Ange made. Please don't yes. learn from me. And so in learning from me, don't invest everything at the same time. So, so what do you mean by I, that? Like, don't take all your savings and throw it in there all yeah. at once. So I read, I did some research, you know, found my, you know, granddaddy, Warren Buffett, read the books. And I was like, (laughs) let's do this. And I had about 3000 saved up at the time, which was like a really big deal considering I never had and I had really bad money habits. And I don't want to say bad money habits, but I didn't have money habits that were aligned with money being around forever. And so I took my $3,000 in savings and I just threw them in the stock market and I just bought whatever I used because everyone says, invest in what's around you. And so I was like, awesome, GoPro's around me. I'm going to invest in that. I'm going to invest in this. I'm going to invest in Target and really no analysis. That sounds great to me. I mean, <laughs> I would be like, a like Target sounds great. I like Target. They're doing Target pretty well. I know great. a lot of people who shop there. Yeah, it sounds great, but also GoPro sounded great too, but not Groupon sounded mm-hmm. awesome as well. And so, yeah, but there yeah. wasn't any analysis. And so yeah. Target did pretty well, but Groupon did bad. And so did GoPro, which is why I probably remember them. Adobe did really well, but I had, I had a really mixed bag of results. And also when I did it, mm. it was right before the recession, which is why when people talk about, oh, this is a really bad time to invest, a recession is looming. And I'm like, ain't nothing you can tell me that I haven't lived through. Cause when I started mm-hmm. investing, the recession happened six months later. So imagine 20 mm-hmm. something year old and hyped up on all the money that I'm going to make from investing, put my $3,000 in. And then six months later, it literally tanked. It didn't go to zero, mm-hmm. but I lost about 50% of it. And I just remember staring at a screen of red. Red means you lost your money. If anyone's never seen red in in a financial account, it's a sea of red. And I thought, oh no, this is not my story, right? And there has to be something. And I highly suggest a lot of people, you know, I am, if you can't tell, extremely mindful. And you really have to be if you want to change the cards you were dealt. And I am super clear that, I'm always changing the cards that, I, that I'm dealt. I'm the person that's always going back to the dealer, looking at the cards and like, yeah, no, this isn't going to work for me. And so when I saw that sea of red, I said, yeah, no, this isn't going to work for me. The news is saying that, you know, there's a recession, people are losing money, jobs are getting laid off, the stock market is down, pretty much what happens today. And I'm saying, yeah, anyone but me. And I <laughs> love it. The confidence, right? <laughs> and, but that's the confidence we need to have, whether you're in business whether you are an executive, whether you are a mom with children, whether it doesn't matter, anyone but me. And that's what I had. And I I analyzed the companies. I figured out what went wrong here. And this is what you should do, right? If you invest, you start small. Then if a company goes down and you invest, you analyze it. Why did this go wrong? Why did I lose money? Is there any way that I could have known that this was going to happen? And there are some tells. And then you learn your lesson and you figure out how do you fix it? And that's what I did over and over and over again until I started bringing in strategies to understand that, hey, there are some tells here. I can tell when a company looks like it's going to be good. Like, oh, you're hiring these type of people. 
And what's really beautiful is that the job that I didn't really enjoy, I started using that skill set to help inform the decisions I was making with my investments. And so even though they weren't paying me how much I wanted to get paid, they were the ones who were showing me, oh, this is what a good company does. The people that were paying in this job, the people that I'm hiring, oh, well, you're going to pay me. And so that's kind of how it looks like in the beginning. It looks scrappy. You're not going to know what you're doing and you're investing things that you don't mind losing. And so a hundred bucks probably isn't going to make or break the quality of your life. It's going to hurt a little bit because no one ever likes losing money. But if you could get that hundred bucks to become 110 bucks, 150 bucks, well, then you can trust yourself with a thousand, two thousand, five thousand, but you have to start small to build that muscle. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about that totally makes sense. I feel like it's with anything that like practicing and I understand practicing with money sounds very scary to people. Like the stakes sound very high when you're just quote unquote practicing with money, but I totally hear you on like when you practice over time and you start to you're learning constantly, then your confidence grows and the results are going to, you know, going to shift with your growth in learning and your growth in confidence. Can you share a bit about well, how do you choose a company? Like aside from like just the companies where you like, where you're like, yeah, that's where I spend my money at Target. Um, and also how long do you stick around and watch and see what a company is doing? Like, are you moving things? Like um, this is again, like ignorant question. So like if you're doing day trading, are you like every day, like I'm going to move this from here to there and like, or by hour, or are you like putting something in and then you're watching to see it over X amount of months or even years? I love this question. I have something called hashtag no investor left behind. So there's no such thing as a stupid, <laughs> no stupid question, Sarah. And this is a common question. So when I teach, I tell folks, first of all, my students don't actually throw their hard earned money in right away. So I do a first stock challenge and you put like 10 bucks to a hundred bucks just to like put your toe in the water and just say, I'm an investor because there's a mm. huge mental shift that happens when you actually own a company. Like yeah. you are in the game and that's important. And for a hundred bucks, you can actually be an investor. That is mind boggling and yeah. really unprecedented for the last 20 years for how long this has been a economic freedom that has been classed out. So I advise everyone just do it. But then what we do is we do mock investing. So I teach in a simulator, a simulated environment. So that brings the comfort zone. And then when you learn learn to actually do it for play, then we bring it to real money because money is still really important and highly valued. And I don't take it lightly. So that's why we do simulator. You can do your own simulator. You don't need the fancy one that I use and teach. You can just look at the price of a stock every day and open up your note or your phone and take and write it down on a piece of paper or take a note on your phone of the price. And so I advocate watching it over time. I'm not a day trader. I'm a passive investor. I'm constantly thinking about that the today that I'm in is directly correlated to the past, to Angela, the past. So I constantly think about the blessings I have today. And I thank the angel of the past for them. And I think about the blessings I want tomorrow. And I take action today because I know it's all correlated. So in thinking about passive investing and what I want my future to be, I know every single moment and action I'm doing right now, it's for my future. So that's why I'm a passive investor. And it's for the long term. I'm right now, I'm actively planning for 2025, right? I am, and I've been planning for 2025 since 2022. So I usually plan three years in advance. The Angela that's like, like here right now, sitting in this moment, I have been planning for her back in 2020. 
And so everything that people see that I have right now, they're like, oh, the conferences, like the she shed, the this, the like 35 countries, the it's all from 2020. Right. And so this is what we want to start thinking about. So we want to start thinking about what companies are going to be around in 2023, 2025. Who am I going to be in 2023, 2025? What's going to happen in 2020 and 2030? So what's going to happen, say, in 2040? And how can I align my wealth with that company? So this is what we want to do. And then that's how I think about the strategy. And so you watch a company for a little bit and then you invest in it a little bit not a lot. And then you see how it feels. Is it going to grow? Is it not going to grow? That makes so much sense. So how does that differ from a day trader? Then? <laughs> so a day trader for, for people like me who are like, I don't know what's the difference because and I, I have never heard of the term passive investor, but that to- absolutely makes sense. Everything that you just said and a day trader. Yeah. Well, I'll let you explain. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. So a day trader tries to make money every day. So they're going to cash out mm-hmm. almost every so they're single moving day. things every day for, to make money versus like you're putting in and you're letting it sit for an extended period. Yes. Okay. And so why I like extended period of time is because compounding takes effect. So compounding mm-hmm. is this magical thing that happens where you put your money in and it grows exponentially. And there's this old saying where, you know, someone says, would you rather a penny doubled every day or a million dollars? And the answer yeah. is you take the penny doubled every day, right? Chinese saying proverb. And it's almost like the internet. Do you know why the internet works? Not really, but is it important that it does? Yes. So that's compounding. We need it. It's the difference between you saving $10,000 and only having $10,000 in 30 years because you saved it versus investing $10,000 at a say five or 8% interest rate and having $300,000 in 30 years. It's by doing nothing. So we always want passive compounding. When you're a day trader, you're cashing out on a day-to-day basis. Now, when you think about making money in 24 hours versus making money in one year or three years, which one is more stressful? Having to make the money in 24 hours or having a year to make the money? Well, I also think about for moms, especially like to have your hands in it hour to hour every day sounds real stressful to me (laughs) versus like a day can ride up and down and then a week can ride. you. There can be highs and lows and you can still monitor like a trajectory and monitor trends to recognize, but like, otherwise you're like having to touch it all the time, which I don't want to be that into it. That's exactly it. And that's why I don't necessarily advocate for day trading if you have a life that's pretty full and at capacity, because it's just going to be another thing to stress out and worry about in our day-to-day lives where we're already so busy. What we want to do is practice delegation, right? Delegation with our money, with our time, delegation with our everything. And so passive investing, passive is where set it and forget it. Don't worry about it. Someone else is working. Let the good people at Apple figure out how to make your money grow. When you invest Mm -hmm. in Apple, they're figuring it out. You don't have to make it grow. They do. So that's the difference. And I love to think about it in terms of think about your life over the span of one year. If you were to say every single day to track yourself every single day, if it was a good day or a bad day versus, hey, how was 2020? How was 2021? 2022? 2023? You could say generally, yeah, that was a good year. Now nah, that was a sucky year. Mm-hmm. You had to do it every single day. How tiring is that? Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, that's what you'd yeah. be doing with your money. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. 
Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. How do we pick companies? So this is something every once in a while, I have a little bit of Microsoft stock that I got as a college graduation gift. And so I watch that somewhat routinely. And then I'll also forget about it for years and not look at it. <laughs> but I also, when I, some, when I get in periods of where I'm watching it consistently, I do start to look at like other companies and I'm like, oh, hmm. And when I think about like, if I were to buy some stock today, I feel like all I can think of is like Apple and Amazon and like stocks that are very expensive to buy into because they're so high value. So how does one pick a company and that if you aren't going to be able to go buy, you know, a hundred shares of Amazon for however many hundred dollars a share? Okay. So first things first, I'm a myth bust a little bit because please do. do. You can buy a partial share. So even if something oh. is is a lot of money, you can still own a portion of it and it's going to grow in value just as much as the entire share. So an example would be, I just saw Ulta Beauty. I looked up that company just yesterday and it was about 500, over 500 bucks. And I was like, man, that's that's a lot for Ulta. I don't want to spend that much money on one share. And then I thought I can actually put 50 bucks of Ulta and Ulta in the past you know, year has grown over 30%. My 50 bucks mm. is going to grow 30%, right? Just the same way if I had done it a year ago. So we want to, that's another mindset thing when it comes to investing. It's really just about how much money can grow. If I have a dollar, can I make 10 cents of that grow? That's really what it is. And so if it's a high price, that's okay. You can use apps like Robinhood or Stash or Stockpile, and you can invest in partial shares. So okay. myth busted one. Now, thank you. Sure. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> and so the second part about what do you pick? 
I'm a fan of, and I talk about what do you use to have a superpower? And so an example would be, I have a client, Daphne, and she's a mom and she is a city planner. And our goal in working together was how do we pick what's not necessarily around everyone? Because that's what's going to give you your added advantage, right? It's if you're picking what everyone picks, well, then if everyone's special, then no one's really special. And Mm -hmm. if you're trying to catch up, what a lot of us are trying to catch up, because a lot of us have not done it in our 20s, like they say we should have, well, we're going to have to pick some some tricks and tools out here. So for Daphne, she was a city, she is a city planner and she works within city planning. And what we were able to do was find a company that not only got awarded a huge government contract because of the infrastructure bill that just passed, but it was a company that she uses in her day-to-day city planning. It was a software company. Now that is something that makes Daphne's job possible, right? She uses it every day. We know that they got awarded a huge contract. And so we were able to find that company before the analyst on Wall Street found it, before everyone else in the world heard about it, because she was there all the time. And now you might be thinking, well, I'm not Daphne, I'm not a city planner. But the thing is, we all have companies like this in our lives, companies that are so near and dear to us that everyone doesn't really know about them. They don't understand them the way we do. And those are the companies that that I think are great for us to invest in. So Sarah, you're super into fitness. You've owned or still do own, you know, wellness companies. Well, you probably know what's a really great wellness brand or supplement brand that's out there that's crushing it right now. No, I don't know what that is. Mm. Probably the odds are the person who's listening, if they're not in that sector, they don't know what it is. But you do. so we don't necessarily need because you can still get great gains on a company that's a, a lower price per share that's growing steadily. It doesn't need to be that you only buy in for stuff that's a high price per share that like everybody knows about that is so again, looking at like and I'm in Seattle. So it's like all the Google and Amazon and Apple and all the tech stuff. You can get great return on something that's a lower price per share that not as many people know about but has a steady track record and a good growth trajectory. Am I saying all that right? Yeah. Look at you knowing things. I know. I know. I mean, you probably want to hire me now. You could be my coach. I'll be one of your coaches. (laughs) You have great benefits. (laughs) Yes. So that's exactly it. And the thing is, when I show people my portfolio from when I started 14 years ago, they're like, duh, you invested in this. But at the time, it wasn't a duh. When you hear that I invested in Adobe, I invested in Adobe 14 years ago. It was $50 a share, right? Adobe is not that price nowadays, right? Adobe is tracking upwards of, I love to be extremely precise. Adobe is $379 a share now, Mm. right? And so it has more than 4X'd. 5X at this point. And at the time, no one knew about it. My mom hadn't heard about it. No one understood what the power of Adobe was, but I was a recruiter and I recruited web designers and I knew we weren't hiring anyone if they didn't understand how to use Adobe. So that's Mm -hmm. how integral it is. If you're a mom and you understand the logistics of education and you're homeschooling your children, and you know that there is a platform that you need to homeschool your kids, well, friends, you're onto something. If you were a business owner and you utilized Zoom pre-pandemic, do you know what you could have done with your life oh. if you invested in Zoom pre-pandemic? <laughs> I totally owned Zoom stock 
pre-pandemic because oh it gosh, made my yeah. job possible. It made our business mm, possible. So oh think about it like that. Such a great example. So you mentioned a couple apps and I want to just return to that for anyone who, what apps do you recommend? You mentioned Robinhood and a couple others. Like, is it as simple as just getting on an app and starting to play with things a little bit? Yes and no. <laughs> and so- <laughs> That's like saying, mama, I want to make lasagna. Can I just go and get, uh, right, right, right. (laughs) Yes and no. So I have a guide. Um, we offer a resource. It's a free one and it's really just to save you time. And it gives you a list of resources that you can do to start investing. And I have links in there. And the reason why I have it is because it gives you free stuff. So I'm all about hookups. And I have a link to Robinhood and it gives you like five bucks of free stock. And I actually have people who use the the free link and then the stock goes up and they're like, holy crap, I actually chose GameStop and made 35 bucks on your free stock. And I'm like, go for it, friend. So it's, it's actually, I love when people actually write back and tell me, when things work out. And I also like it when they tell me when things don't work out so I can help them pivot. But mm-hmm. Robinhood is an app that I do recommend and they get a lot of flack because they're, they don't have as a robust PR team as a lot of the bigger banks out there, but I have over 12 brokerage accounts and yes, my tax accountant hates it. And so do I around tax time, but my job is to try things for people. Now I did mention mm-hmm. stockpile and stash and those are also other options, but I do love Robinhood because they've been the easiest when it comes to new investors becoming successful with sticking to investing. And so you can buy partial shares with Robinhood. It's an app that you can use on your phone. It is absolutely safe. They just brought on IRAs, which are individual retirement accounts. So if you're an entrepreneur who's starting off, a lot of people don't do their own retirements. So you can do an IRA. If you're a mom who's a stay at home mom. A lot of folks don't do their retirements. If you are an old executive who has an old IRA, you can roll it over. And so all these things Robinhood does, and they do a 1% match, which no one gives free money. So I do enjoy Robinhood for those reasons. Um, If you know that investing is something you want to do for a while, you want to set up an account for your kids, I recommend Charles Schwab because they're, again, at a point when you know that you're going to be serious about this, you want to be able to pick up a phone, call someone and ask them questions. I think Charles Schwab is great for that. I invest for my kids through Charles Schwab. And those are the two right now that I really advocate. There was TD Ameritrade, but Charles Schwab bought them. So now we're back to Charles Schwab. So those are the two. I'm all about simplicity, Robin Hood and Charles Schwab. I don't get paid to say any of this. So (laughs) this is through my experience. So, so important. Thank you. So I want to touch on this piece that I think is really important before we wrap up that really jumped out at me when we were kind of trading notes back and forth before this conversation about, you mentioned something that I felt was kind of like buried in the notes that I was like, oh, no, 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 we need to dig into that. So you said you're planting the seeds for your trust fund babies. That's a, an important statement. I think as a woman, that's an important statement. As a woman of color, that's an important statement. Can you talk about what creating generational wealth means to you and to your family? Generational wealth for me means where the color of my children's skin and the gender of who they are isn't the first thing that's seen or matters for how much they make and what they do in the world, period. And it's really interesting because in today's climate, what's being shown is that it doesn't matter how much I work. Right now, this is still what's being seen first, and this is how they're being treated. And- 
the fact that I have a son who is a black boy is really hard for me just transparently because it's kind of like something I didn't sign up for. (laughs) It's like, God just was like chosen one portal you. I mean, and this is how it is with all our kids that we have, right? It's like, they just come to us. So we're portals as women when you have a kid. And I didn't think I came from a matriarch. I didn't anticipate having a son. And, you know, my son just recently, just this week, he had a surgery for his ears and they came to us And I didn't know he had a hearing issue. It was just that his speech was delayed and he's really smart. And it wasn't until I had to advocate for, but yeah, he's smart, but he's not speaking the same way. And then they said, well, maybe his hearing is delayed. And then we said, sure, let's do the hearing surgery. And then they came back with this, well, it's going to be a 5k payment. Can you do that and have the surgery next week? Wait, so it's $5,000 by next week. What, how do people do this? And it's just, When I think about that, I think I always want to make sure that I'm in a financial situation where my kids will always be able to be equal or above that. Mm -hmm. And that's what it means. When I think about investing for my kids, it's not the money is important, but it's investing in their confidence. It's investing in making sure that they're around an environment with people who don't look like them and people who do look like them. It's making sure that when they step into a room, It's a room full of people that love them and don't expect them to be well-spoken for someone that looks like them and letting them know that they deserve to be there. And so it's really, and then also carrying the weight of knowing that I shouldn't have to do all this, right? Like I'm just trying to make myself better as Ange, period. Mm -hmm. And so it's just been really interesting, you know, navigating and rewriting the story and knowing that just two generations ago where my ancestors were and where my family was as first gen, I'm a first generation American and thinking it makes me actually really excited to know how exponentially things have evolved with just me. Like I feel as if I am a gateway uh, access point. And I feel that way for my students and my colleagues and my friends or anyone that listens a podcast or speaking or anywhere, like we have so much power, you know, The fact that my son could be diagnosed with a hearing issue and within two weeks have a surgery and in knowing that growing up, my parents would have probably had to save a year to have that surgery and I could just do it in a week. That's Mm. crazy to me. And I embrace it with all of its goodness. And that's generational wealth. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because it's a matter of legacy for sure, but it also you pointed out so beautifully and eloquently and importantly that it's also a matter of safety and layers of safety, you know, safety in terms of like literal physical safety, as much as you can guarantee that, which there are no guarantees around that, as we know, especially for black boys and men, but also safety in terms of being able to thrive, like have opportunities to grow and thrive. Um, so thank you for your transparency around that. That's that was a big question. And I appreciate that you dug into it so deeply. Can you show us beyond that? Can you share with us how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom? So my hands are fully open and expansive right now. (laughs) I love it. And I think it is just being unapologetic about taking financial decisions that might not make sense right now and for my kids and myself. And what I mean by that is... Just this week, just yesterday, I paid for a cruise for my daughter. She's graduating pre-K. I don't even know if that even makes sense. Like, how do you graduate pre-K? But whatever, here we are. And (laughs) 
She's graduating pre-K. My family is going on a cruise to celebrate my aunt's 80th birthday. And I just found out that like all the cousins are going and we've got two younger kids that are going. And in my head, my daughter needs to be with her two little cousins. And I'm late to the party. Everyone paid like 500 bucks a person for this cruise. And I decided that I'm going to this cruise to Canada, which means no sense at all. Like, why do I want to go to Canada on a cruise for four days to know yeah, like that is not like the Caribbean at all? Just <laughs> no, in June to Nova Scotia. Who does that? Oh my no. gosh. Oh my gosh. No one. Amazing, but I'm dying. <laughs> like, I feel like this needs to be a comedy skit one day on a stage. Yes. And so I just have to like make it as valuable of a cruise as possible. So then I call my sister and I'm like, your birthday's like, you know, in May, you want to come to this? And then, and so then I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pay for you to come to the cruise. Cause like, I just need to make this more worth it. And then I'm like, yeah, my birthday's like a week before the cruise. So, you know what, whatever, it's going to be like this graduation present, my sister's birthday, my birthday, and we're going to go on a cruise <laughs> to Canada and I'm going to pay double what everybody paid for. Cause I'm just going to do this. Cause you know what life is you know, it's long, but it's also short. And it's my aunt's 80th birthday and screw it. I'm going to do it. Cause I'm Ange and I do whatever I want and I want to do this. So bam, I'm just going to do it. And zero F's given. And I'm going to be cold in June in Canada with my family. And it's going to be freaking amazing. And I'm really happy. And you I'm only, happy. you only graduate from pre-K once. <laughs> only graduate from pre-K. Like <laughs> yes, you're right. Oh my God. So amazing. I love that answer. No one else has ever answered. They're going on a shameless cruise to Nova Scotia for their kids preschool graduation. (laughs) Oh my God. Such a good answer. Thank you so much. Okay. So Ange, tell us where can people find you work with you? How do you work with people? You've given some examples throughout our conversation. Where can people follow up? Cause I know there's going to be people like me who are like, Oh yeah, I need some more of this. I need some more Ange in my life. Yes. And I want to be in your life. So you can find me at happyinvestormethod.com. We have a couple of freebies there and we do challenges all the time. So I typically work with folks either in masterminds. We do a lot of corporate speaking and corporate wellness because I am a huge proponent of we get to make a positive impact in people's lives. And it just starts with all of us showing each other the way. And so if that is something that you're interested in, or you just want to get love notes to your inbox, make sure you register, put your email in. I'd love to say that I'm social, but I'm actually not on the socials as much because I love my life and it's really full and I really monitor my mental health. So I send love notes directly to your inbox and that's how you can find me. Happyinvestormethod.com. Put your email in the inbox. And if you are a corporate or a conference and you would love to bring the message of financial freedom or literacy, I'm your gal. And thank you so much, Sarah, for being a leader in this space, for bringing this conversation. It is one that is not spoken about often but I'm sure that your audience appreciates you asking those weird, icky questions that they <laughs> thought about. Totally, totally. I'm just here to, a- to ask the really basic, awkward questions. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ange, for showing up here to this conversation with so much brilliance and also transparency and love. And I'm so grateful for you and the work that you're doing in the world. Thank you so much for having me.
Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.